Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World, the practical voice podcast. If you would like to go to All About Voice on the 11th of October, Europe's biggest and best voice conference with yours truly hosting, it's put together by 169 Labs, there's a whole host of industry thought leaders that are going to be there. We have two tickets, which the chaps at 169 Labs have offered to give away to VUX World listeners, uh, one each. So if you want to be involved and you want to go along to the biggest and best voice conference in Europe, then just drop us a tweet on Twitter and use the hashtag AAV19 and just tell us what your favourite voice experience of the year so far has been and we will pick two random winners out of the hat and you'll both get a ticket each. If you're not on Twitter and you're listening to this, you can just drop me an email, kane at vux.world, and, or hit me up on LinkedIn. If you haven't got me on LinkedIn, add me and hit me up. And what we'll do is we'll put everyone's name in a hat, we'll pick out two people to win one ticket each to All About Voice on the 11th of October in Munich. Thank you, 169 Labs. Today's episode is an interesting one. It's an episode I've been wanting to do for a long time. We're speaking to Josh Wigmore, who is the head of product at What Three Words. If you don't know What Three Words, go to the website What Three Words and type in your address. You will get a three word address that's your unique three word address down to the three meter square uh, circumference, not a circumference, it's a ra- whatever it is, radius area. I don't know. Essentially, it's a three by three meter square. <laughs> And it's a, it all, every single three meter square on the whole planet has been addressed with three words. And there is so much interesting things to discuss when it comes to voice assistants and addressing and helping voice assistants understand the addresses that you're communicating to it. And Josh and the team at What Three Words have been trying to tackle some of these problems. And we get right into detail about that, as well as how you can use What Three Words in your voice app to improve the understanding of addresses and locations for your users and for you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is absolutely immense. Without further ado, this is Josh Wigmore of What Three Words on VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. Branding with the big faces. I love listening to it. Kane Sims. Kane Sims. Kane Sims, the one and only. Britain's finest, Mr. Kane Sims. Dustin. Dustin. Dustin Coates. I like it when you guys are together and talking about voice. Without further ado. What up, Dustin? How's it going, Ken? Very well, very well. How are you? Good, good. It's a Friday, so that's always welcome. <laughs> it's always very welcome. But first, we've got a good recording today, which I'm really excited about. It's taken us a little while to get this on the schedule. But now that we have, I think it's going to be a good one. It is, it is. It is with What Three Words, head of product at What Three Words, Josh Wigmore. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's good to, good to chat. It's going to be amazing. Looking forward to it. My uh, friend of mine, Dave Thompson, he is uh, really into the whole GIS thing, GIS manager. And uh, he first introduced me to What Three Words. And the way that he introduced me to it was he said, have a guess where you'll find Lazy Trouser Snake. <laughs> and I said, Dave, it's 10 o'clock on a Monday morning. This is this is Friday afternoon chat, <laughs> and uh, turns out Lazy Trouser Snake is actually a place in Japan. It actually exists on the What Three Words map. So it's uh, there you go. It's uh, how's that for a euphemism? But 
But I'm sure there's all kinds of uh, of, of concoctions uh, on that kind of maps. Tell tell those people who who don't know what three words is yet what what three words is Josh and what you do there. Yeah. So um, so. Yeah, I'm Josh. I head up product um, at What Three Words. So that's essentially um, product development and product design across um, all of our customer-facing platforms. So that's um, mobile apps, voice platforms, um, and web products. Um, and I've been at What Three Words just over two years, um, and so I've been very fortunate to kind of see this very exciting period of growth that we've had um, in the company, and I guess in the adoption and awareness of. Um, what three words is a new addressing standard, um, a global addressing standard, which is um, what we what we're aiming for it to be. Um, so, what three words really is? Um, it's a global addressing system. Um, we have divided the world into fifty trillion, fifty-seven trillion um, three meter squares, um, and we've essentially assigned every single one of those squares um, an address made up of three words from the dictionary. Um, so. Literally, with just three words, you can now refer to any three meter square on Earth, um, and and that that's it, really, in a nutshell. It, it is that simple. And what is the um, <clears throat> what's the what's the value of being able to address a three meter square? Um, so I think addressing is a is is a problem all over the world in in varying different levels um but in particular addressing is a massive issue for voice um which is great for talking about it here as well um so i don't know if you've ever been in a car and you've tried to speak and address into a sat nav um but they are very often misunderstood or misheard um, and often just not recognized and that's generally because you have so much information especially in a traditional address like we have in the uk and in other um, countries around the world where there's a lot of information that has to be understood. Um, there might be a street address, there might be a postcode, there might be a county. Um, and for voice, especially at the point it's at now, it can be very hard for um, technology to understand all of that things, all of those uh, different pieces. Um, N's can sometimes get mistaken for M's, for example, uh, A's for eights and things like that. So um, what we really felt like is there is a there's a, a need for a global addressing system that anyone can use in their language um, and that crucially can be um, more accurate and more easily entered. So it is, we believe, the easiest way to talk about location. And it sort of standardizes it, I suppose, doesn't it? In terms, so for example, so Dustin, where, 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 I mean, you don't have to give out your address uh, on the podcast, but just give, give us, the, you'll have all kinds of fan mail. Give, give us uh, either, either the Algolia offices or, or a, another address that you may be familiar with in Paris. Are you familiar with any other addresses other than the Algolia office and your address? I know a handful. I know a handful. <laughs> uh, are you looking for the what three words? I'm going to do that, yeah. I'm going to do the what three words. Yeah, yeah. So the address of the Algolia office is 55 Rue d'Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Uh, Amsterdam. Oh, I've got it. Paris. Here we go. Briefing adverts showed. There we go. That's quite cool, that. <laughs> so, so where, where are you, Josh? You probably know exactly where you are based I on do. the three meter square. Where are you? Yeah, so here we're at Field Count Soap, um, which is the entrance to our office. Um, and 
that's that's a very specifically chosen three-word address because it's the entrance to the gate. So um, in many ways, that's exactly why three-word addresses are so valuable because you don't just give someone the address to a giant building like the one I'm currently in that has four floors and five entrances. Um, you can give someone the exact three meters square where they need to go to to get access to that building, um, which is invaluable, as I say, for, for buildings like this and um, huge expo centers, stadiums, festivals, um, anything where you have multiple entrances, it's, it's particularly um, noticeable when you get lost in those locations. I think those are the ones that leave you scratching your head and thinking, oh, if only I had a way to know exactly where in this giant place I should be. So does yeah. each, each three square me, uh, meter square on each floor have its own address or is it uh, vertically? No, so um, we don't, we don't um, do height. So the system is a two dimensional system. So um, we, we particularly believe that um, people get lost getting two buildings, um, not so much once they're inside them. Um, we also don't always see a three word address as a total replacement for an address. So in some cases, um, somebody may refer to, oh, I'm on the third floor at field account soap, for example. Um, so to, to, um, address a building vertically is very, very challenging. Um, uh, most of all, actually, because the tools that are used to judge that height are, are also very inaccurate. Um, so we, we felt that it was worth focusing on just the, the two dimensions and just to say, okay, we're going to make sure that we get someone first time to, um, that, that pickup spot or that entrance or that delivery point. Um, and then, yeah, that, that solves the problem, we think. And it's being used quite a lot in the likes of the emergency services and stuff like that, hasn't it? To, to kind of pinpoint a spot where an accident's happened or a crime's happened or something like that, where like, I don't know, it's in the middle of a field or in the middle of a road. Thank you. Call you through to, through to the police. What's the location of your emergency? Uh, we're on a road. I'm not entirely sure of the road. We've just been involved in a road traffic. There's like at least four cars in it. Um, it's like a shunt more than that, but because we parked down the road, we can't see what's happening up the road, like where it is. Hi. Do you know what road this is? Yeah. Um, I'm just going to try and find out the actual road. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a very quick link to your phone. Are you able to use your phone while you're on it, or you, is it not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? yeah. So it's called What Three Words. So if you click on the link, it will give you yeah. it will give you three separate words for your location, and when I put them in, it will tell me where you are. All of the link, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, okay, it's done that, yeah. No, yes, so what are the three words that it's given you at the bottom next to the red lines? Flick. Stretcher. Say those again for me. Flick. Stretcher. No problem. I sent that up for attendance for officers to come out and obviously help with what's gone on. In the UK, we have um, around 59 emergency services who have confirmed that they are using and will be accepting three-word addresses. Um, so whether that is making the, the message that they are sending out is saying, um, make sure you have this app so that you are able to quickly find your three-word address. Um, and in other cases, if you don't have the app, they can actually ping you a link to your phone, which will take you to our website, which is whatthreewords.com. Um, and you'll immediately be able to find your location and then relay that to um, the emergency call center that you're speaking to and they can find your location. So ex exactly as you mentioned in particular, in any situation where 
you don't have landmarks, um, you're in a field, you're in a very long stretch of road with no obvious buildings around you. Um, it can be very, very difficult to, to pinpoint that location, especially in a situation where you're distressed or you've witnessed an accident or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, they, they really have been um, asking people to, to use the system to make sure that they can find them as quickly as possible. You're talking about the challenges that exist in capturing addresses in the voice assistant environment. Is that is the core up and down of it essentially that it's just too difficult to listen for street names and, and postcodes? There's there's quite a lot of different nuances. I think um, one of the one of the ones you particularly notice around in London is that um, we have 14 different church roads in London. Um, so if you imagine a voice assistant is trying to understand um, where you where you're trying to go, even if it gets church road correctly, it needs to make sure it very accurately gets some other pieces to know exactly which church road you're talking about. Um, and whenever you're doing any kind of um, geocoding to, uh, for example, I want to go to Wembley Stadium, let's say a stadium that I mentioned earlier. Um, you will always just have a pin drop into the middle of that stadium. So even if the voice assistant understands exactly where you want to go, because of the technology it's relying on underneath that address, ultimately it doesn't know where in Wembley Stadium you went, you want to go. So the best it can do is say, okay, I'm going to take you to Wembley Stadium. Who knows where that's going to be? The the address that geocodes for Wembley Stadium could quite literally be anywhere within that um, the vicinity of that stadium. So it's, it's a combination of the um, being able to specify the exact accuracy of a three meter square and the fact that it's literally only three words um, that you have to say. And worth saying that the words are usually shorter in more populated areas. So whilst our word list is very long, uh, it's made up of around 40,000 words in the English language. Um, a lot of the longer words that we use will tend to be in the Arctic or in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Um, so those are not words you're going to be saying regularly. The words you're going to be saying more regularly, like table, lap, spoon, are going to be in heavily populated areas like London. Lizzie um, Charles' snake so, must be pretty central in Tokyo or somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess that's, um, that's something else that's interesting to say is that um, in part of us trying to build a global standard, um, that's another reason why we've localized the addresses. So um, currently our addressing system is available in over 37, I think we are at now, languages. Um, and when we say it's available in those languages, we mean that all of the land in particular is addressed in 37 different languages. So that someone who, um, say, in your example, is English, they go over to Japan, they wouldn't necessarily be able to read any of those street signs in Japan or um, the guidebook for where that hotel is located, but they are able to read um, Lazy Trousers Snake or the three-word address that you mentioned that I can't remember. Um, and so they will be able to say or enter that address and find a location in a country that normally they would not have been able to address. So the the global aspect of What Three Words is about allowing someone to speak in their language about anywhere in the world. And that's really what's so critical to it being a global standard. One of the nice things about addresses, especially in the new world, maybe not so much in London or in the UK, but certainly in say New York or some of those newer cities. And same thing for latitude and longitude is there's a human understandable logic to it. Uh, 14th street is 
more uptown than Second Street and Sixth Avenue is closer to the Hudson River than the East River. Is that the same thing with what three words? If you knew uh, that I resided at Big Dumb Face, that I resided next to Small Dumb Face or something like that? Yeah, uh, no, it's not actually. Um, so we have intentionally moved um, similar words to virtually the other side of the world or to very different locations. Um, that's done intentionally actually in part for things like voice where um, you could have party, party, party or parties, party, party. And those two locations would be in different, very different parts of the world so that we can very easily say, okay, well, you've jumped into your car in England. Um, we think that you've said parties, party, party, but actually that's in America and party, party, party is in England. So probably you're talking about navigating to the latter rather than driving all the way to the United States. Um, therefore, we can suggest that actually you probably mean the second one. Um, and so we've done that distribution intentionally to allow us to better serve the um, correct address, both in our, our own auto-suggest and the way that we um, customize voice suggestions. So it's done intentionally. Is that something that you are thinking about when you when you're creating this huge, humongous data set? I mean, you've you've got the the all of the combinations of the three meters that's already done. I'm assuming that most of the work that you do is all about putting that data in places where it can be useful. Is that is that right or not? Uh, depends depends how you mean. Um, so for, for what I mean is, for example, um, I can go to the website right now. Mm -hmm. I'm on the website right now, and I can scan through the map. And I can see every single three meter square that you could possibly imagine all over the world. And I can have a look. I can I can jump smoke being dry drives. I don't know. I can't even read that. What is it? Bigger raced claims. I like that one. Uh, so so that so that data kind of exists. But for a voice assistant to use it, th there must be something else rather than the front end of this website with a whole load of squares on it versus whatever it is that I'm saying over here on the voices. There must be a way of interrogating that data set and, and the more that it's used in the different environments that it pops up in, are you kind of extending it and thinking about, well, here's an API that we'll use specifically for voice and here's one that we can use specifically for that kind of thing? Or have you just got a humongous data set with, with an API and that's that's kind of the same for it, same goes for everyone? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. Um, so there isn't, there isn't a huge data set, um, of 57 trillion addresses. Cause that would just be huge. Um, we did actually calculate the, the size of it at some point and it was just absolutely off the scale. Um, so there isn't, there isn't that what there is, is, um, our word list, which as I mentioned is 40,000 words in English and then is 20, 25,000 words in all of our other supported languages, um, or most of our languages. And then we have our um, algorithm, which is either built into our API or can be embedded in um, offline systems through our SDK. And that algorithm takes our word list um, and essentially converts um, whatever longitude and latitude you're entering into it, into the appropriate three-word address. Um, so as you mentioned, the, the grid kind of exists. The, the division of the world into 57 trillion squares is, is done. 
Um, and therefore, every single longitude and latitude in the world falls into one of those squares and can be directly converted to the three-word address that applies for each square. And that's what our algorithm does. Um, and so in your example for voice assistance, that's actually one of the um, challenges that we've been having, especially in the voice world, is trying to get all of the different voice assistants that exist to, um, I guess, understand what three words. That's essentially what you're trying to get them to do. You're trying to give them the knowledge of how to understand um, when the user says a three-word address and then know where that three-word address is. Um, and because of the different ways that different voice assistants are set up, there's, there's lots of different challenges in how we've been doing that. And ultimately then, what three words, the private business, you are the one responsible for determining which words correspond to which three by three square. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, depends how you mean, as in we haven't chosen every single combination. Um, the algorithm essentially generates all the combinations. Um, the work that we do that our languages team especially does is in the preparation and creation of the word lists um, in the first place. Uh, they have always said that that has to be a very manual process. That can't be something that's done um, through processing or computers. Um, and so every single word list is put together. Uh, we remove any slang. Uh, we remove any offensive words. We remove any homophones, um, which again is very apt for voice to avoid um, confusion. If someone says a word that sounds like another word but is spelled differently within a voice assistant, you wouldn't be able to tell those words apart. So we just take those out to avoid the conflict. Um, and then crucially, every word also has to be spelt differently across different languages. Um, so one example we have is barn, which uh, is in Norwegian, is the, um, is the word for child. Um, we don't have that because it already appears in the English word list as barn. So therefore, we wouldn't want to have the, um, we wouldn't have a word that's spelled the same even across the languages because then we wouldn't be able to identify which language the address was in. So there is a, a huge amount of um, prep, testing, um, and refinement that goes into every single list uh, to ensure that all of the addresses that are generated for that language are um, appropriate and friendly and politically correct. So, yeah. So is there um, a lot of effort going into... So um, obviously there'll be a lot of effort going into all of that, obviously, but do you... Um, change things so these three word addresses if if uh let me just go grab one let's say for example i am at uh let's just say zebra rice lakes sounds like the name of a cereal zebra rice lakes um at, and, and all of a sudden someone finds that there's a problem uh, a voice assistant doesn't understand zebra rice lakes there's a load of confusion or for whatever reason something else happens is that ever likely to change or is that always going to be let's say there's another word in another language that is something similar to this is, is zebra rice lakes ever going to change or is that it and that's how it's always going to be no we we say that the um, the words will never change and that is actually um one of the benefits of uh, what three words is that um, once you know that square, you can be safe in knowing that that square isn't isn't going to change. Um, it's also one of the main reasons we do it is for the offline application that I mentioned before, where you're putting that into embedded systems, 
Um, an example of this is you can climb into a Mercedes and say, hey, Mercedes, navigate to index home raft and it will understand you. Um, that's because our tech is embedded in the, the Mercedes system. If we in any way allowed changing of those words um, or one of the common questions we often have is, oh, can I choose my own words? Um, the simple reason for not allowing that is that we would lose the ability for it to be a global standard that's consistent across the whole world. Um, and we want to be able to say it's the same in an offline system that you get on our online API, that you get in our mobile app, that you're going to get in the future across all of those systems as well. So, um, yeah, when we push a word list live, we have to be very sure that we're happy with that list. <laughs> and do you select the words for, say, ease of pronunciation as well? For example, I'm saying right here, uh, Colonel's posterity birthday. Uh, and kernels is, uh, let's be honest, uh, a difficult word to know how to pronounce. Is your people who are creating these word lists, is that something they take into account as well? It is definitely. Um, and it's also been a learning for us as we've gone through the process of creating the 30, 30 plus um, lists and languages on what works well. Um, English was the first one. So English was the, the original list that was done um, a few years ago. And as we've gone through that process, we have definitely learned certain things. Um, so I would say that all of the word lists are very good. Um, but especially in the latest ones, we have particularly learned nuances like that in the way that people pronounce and we try and take those into account. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been a learning process in doing that as well. One of the, the the reason that when I first seen what three words um, in any kind of voice environment, it was the Uber demo. Alexa, ask what three words to order me an Uber to Trader than Longer from Filled Count Soap. You asked an Uber to Trader than Longer at Basewater from Filled Count Soap. Is that correct? Yes. Your UberX to Trader Than Longer in Bayswater is four minutes away. Would you like to confirm the order? Yes. Thank you. Your Uber to Bayswater is on its way. That will talk, I can totally see how that will get over the whole kind of like mispronunciations of T, if you say T is an E and all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the things that's in the back of my mind, if I'm thinking of getting an Uber from the train station back home, over time, I might get familiar with my home, and if I navigate there often, then I'll then that's probably fine. But if I'm in the middle of, to use your example, Wembley Stadium, and I want to get an Uber back to a hotel in London, and and so for example, if I, to get an Uber from Wembley Stadium, you need to know what side of the stadium you're at, don't you? So you'll it'd be better off having a what three words address than it will do just saying pick me up from Wembley Stadium. So. Have you found, or, or is it, what have you found that people have found in a voice environment in terms of being able to remember or know or recall the what three words addresses? Do you find that people use it more so for addresses that they regularly and routinely use? Um, I'm just wondering what, what what's it like for recall? Because with all these different combinations, I, I can imagine it, it might get quite challenging. Yeah. Um, so I think we see usage across both. We definitely see um, a lot of core use cases as um, finding a location, using it once, and then potentially not using it again in the same way that you might look up a location in another mapping app. Um, and equally, we find people do 
um, start to take a certain affinity even to the three words for perhaps their work or their house. Um, one of the first things that people often do when they discover our app or our platform is they go and find their three words, which usually would tend to be their front door um, or a delivery spot or the front of their drive or something that they can think, okay, really, I just need to remember these three words and I can refer to that point going forward. Um, and so in a lot of ways, that's very similar to how people move houses every day. As you move that house, you take on a whole new address if, if there is an addressing system in place, of course, there's a lot of countries where there isn't. But um, for example, in the UK, where there is an addressing system in place, you just kind of adopt that. You, you accept that learning a new set of five lines and a postcode is part and parcel of moving house. And you'll probably struggle with it for a while when you first do it. And then eventually you'll learn it. I guess what we hope is that that process is much quicker with a three-word address um, and can be much more instantaneous. So to your example, in, if you're in Wembley, um, if you were trying to look up the address of where you currently were and the address of your hotel and communicate all of that information via voice, it would be quite challenging. If you're only having to look up two sets of three words, we believe that would be a lot easier. Um, and uh, I don't know if you guys know your your home three word addresses, but once you have it, it's surprising how quickly it pops back into your mind um, without you kind of really, really meaning it to. Um, mm. So yeah, we we believe that people do do learn them very quickly. And I'm assuming that that on a mobile app, and once voice is kind of outside of the home a lot more in terms of. Um, for example, what I'm thinking of is let's say that I was ordering an Uber on my headphones. You would hope that it would just pick up the GPS location from where you are and then grab the what three words from where you are and then communicate that. I'm assuming that's that is that able to be done, translating a GPS signal into a what three words address? Uh, it, it is. It absolutely is. Um, the and, and we do do that. So when you're in our app and you... Um, press the locate me button. It will take your current GPS location and then try and show you a estimated three word address. Um, but we're always very careful to um, labor the point, I guess, about it being estimated. Um, GPS accuracy can vary massively. Um, even, even at its best at the moment, it tends to still hover around the 10 meter plus um, accuracy, unless you have some very, very latest tech. Um, and it can go up all the way to kind of 100, 200 meters. And so within that range, you have a huge amount of addresses. And you can see that in our app when it displays the classic blue circle that people associate with GPS. And you can see how many squares are kind of contained within that. Um, and so there is, there is a slight risk in people immediately committing to using that location. Um, and so whenever we're talking about through addressing system and explaining the concept to people, um, we always talk about this flow of discovery to discover your three-word address. And it's usually that you search for a location, but then you um, really notice the, the benefit of the system when you refine it. So you'll zoom in to our map on, on the web or in the app, you'll see the grid overlaid and you, you can immediately see, oh, okay. So for my postcode, which would normally drop me somewhere along this street, there's hundreds and hundreds of squares. And yet this exact square is my square. Um, and it's that realization of the, the difference that, that really kind of gets people. Um, so you, you can absolutely use GPS to estimate it, but the, the part where, where we think it's, it's much more 
um, useful is in then that, that kind of further refinement piece. So you're negating the inaccuracy of GPS essentially. And then let's imagine the user experience of, let's say, my, an Alexa Auto, right? Let's say you're using Alexa Auto and your car is broken down. Are you, how are you discovering your three words to then transmit via Alexa to your car repair service? Yep. Um, so similar, similar kind of use case, I guess. So um, if you have your phone on you, you could just grab the app. Um, it's able to give you your rough location, as I was just saying, in terms of GPS. But then because you have satellite view in there, you can refine onto where you are. Um, and the hope is that you can use that map to roughly pinpoint where you, not, not roughly, but pinpoint where you are. Um, and that would be the three-word address. Um, in an example like that, you, you could also um, use uh, Alexa to, to say, Alexa, what is my current three-word address, for example? And it could give you that estimate. Um, but as, as you were just saying, the risk is that because it's based on GPS, it's not going to be as accurate as it as it could be. Um, and essentially that kind of negates the value of the system. So um, when we're designing for voice, that's actually something that we um, try to discourage because we don't believe it's a very good use of the system. It's essentially kind of missing the the accuracy point of the system and, and where, it, where it really comes into um, benefit. Is that something that's already built into Alexa? Alexa, what is my three-word address? No, no, unfortunately not. Um, it's something that we love. We'd love to be built in, um, but because of, as I was saying at the beginning, because of the way that we have to um, teach every single voice assistant about us, um, we would essentially need a native integration into all of those voice platforms um, as a data type. So. Uh, voice assistants like Alexa and others have uh, location data types already or geo data types within them. So they understand um, from a huge database, counties, countries, cities, street addresses, postcodes, they already have data sets within them to understand those, um, those elements. And so what we would need to do is basically have a three-word address element within all of those assistants so that all of their brains then essentially have that that knowledge um which which we'd absolutely love but um that's something that we're working working as hard as we can to to achieve um until that's possible we're essentially building um lighthouse examples of how developers at the moment can integrate what three words into those voice platforms um and then i guess there's been some interesting challenges around that a lot of or not a lot every single voice um, assistant that you tend to use is trained using NLP, which is natural language processing, um, which I guess you guys have talked about perhaps on this program before, but is essentially the uh, assistant trying to use its uh, intelligence, call it that, to understand better what the user has said. Um, so an example might be if you're in the home and you say something like, switch on the lighting in the living room, even if that assistant hears you say, switch on the lightning, it knows you're in the living room, it knows you're talking about switching, so it can pretty much establish you're going to say switch on the lighting in the living room, not the lightning. Um, the interesting challenge we have with What Three Words is 
we basically need the opposite of that because we have three words that are intentionally random. And so we need the voice assistants to deactivate that natural language processing and just literally understand the words and give it back to us. Um, and the ability for voice assistants to do that varies massively by platform. Some allow it, some allow it partially, some totally don't allow it. Uh, and so that's been one of the biggest hurdles for us in getting voice assistants to recognize the system is getting around that, um, that processing where they think they're being helpful. But for us, it's unfortunately unhelpful, which is interesting. So uh, have, you, have you been working kind of directly with the assistant platform so far to try and get around this? Or is this through experimentation with, with the tools that those platforms provide? Yeah, we, we, we're having conversations um, with with all platforms, um, but we, we haven't managed to make that integration yet. Um, we have been working on the skills. So as you mentioned, there's a couple of um, Alexa skills. There's one out at the moment, which is just um, a what three words navigation skill. Um, and then there's another one to be released shortly, which is uh, the ride hailing skill um, that you're actually talking about before. And um, they are basically two different use cases using um, what three words in Alexa to either call, call a ride hail um, or navigate. And the navigation one will become um, even more useful when things like Echo Auto release where you're able to um, speak and address directly into your car. But you, could, you can already do it into your phone if you're running the Alexa app. Um, so we've kind of been using those to, to work out what we can do with the platform as it is from an outside developer and how our, um, our developer community would do the same thing using the public API. Um, but not yet. No, we haven't managed to do, um, a voice integration yet. That, that is an interesting challenge, right? Because you're essentially going to one grams where each individual word has nothing to do with the previous one. And we know that with state-of-the-art speech-to-text, we're getting 95, 96, 97% accuracy. So one in 20 times, you're still going to get uh, an incorrect reading. Yep. Is there something that you do within your algorithm that corrects for that? Uh, yeah, there is. Um, so so a couple of different things. We we do do certain things within our, um, within our API. So uh, we have the ability to do... Uh, an auto suggest result, which is where we return um, the three word address that you think you've entered. And we tell you a set of results that you may have met, may have meant based on what you've typed. Um, but when you specify that call, you can also specify a type. So you can say whether that was a text type or a voice type. Um, and so something that we do there is on a text type, we um, take note of how the user may have entered it and common mistakes that might be made on a keyboard. Whereas when doing with voice, we remove that logic because obviously it wasn't entered with keyboard. Um, and so there's, there's kind of parameters that we, that we can play around with like that. Um, one example of how we've done this um, is in our app. So when you use our mobile app, you can enter a three-word address using voice. Um, that's actually being powered by um, Nuance, who have an engine called Vocon Hybrid, um, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with. Um, but... That, that engine, that is a, um, a speech recognition engine that does allow us to do a lot of the options that I was mentioning before. Um, and so one of the ways that what three words is very well suited to that type of application is that our uh, word list is finite. 
So rather than having to train a voice assistant on an entire language, like the entire English language, we're only training it on 40,000 words. And not only that, but we can hard validate on those 40,000 and say, only return these words. So from that point of view, it allows us to um, do, a, do a lot of optimization, I guess is the best way to say it, within um, the output that is returned from um, that voice engine. So in this case, the nuance engine. Um, and we can do things like confidence scores. So when we, when we uh, have a set of results returned, we can, give, we can see a score of confidence on which of those we think is, is, is most likely. Um, and then based on that, we can, can use uh, things like focus. So we can say, okay, the user is here. Um, let's take a focal point of where they currently are and weight locations that come up that are nearer to them to the top. So for example, um, in a ride hailing use case, a developer might say, right, well, I need a pickup and the pickup's very likely to be uh, near the user. So let's say that the pickup is focused to the user's current location. And given that they're getting a ride hail, that user isn't very likely to go more than 200 or 300 kilometers. So let's clip, which is another parameter that we offer in our um, API, to uh, 300 kilometers around the user. So immediately you've done two actions which heavily reduce the pool of addresses that will, will be returned for that search, um, and therefore, heavily increase the likelihood of the correct one being returned based on the voice. Um, and so we do hard kind of controls like that, along with the, um, the changes that are, are returned from Nuance, the confidence scores, sorry, that are returned from Nuance. Um, and so actually in our app, when entering a through address in that way, um, we do have kind of over, over 90, 95% accuracy on um, a number of English languages and a number of English dialects and um, quite a few other languages as well. Um, so that really is the most accurate way to enter a three-word address with voice. And then that's the kind of um, accuracy and control we'd love to have over in the other voice platforms as well. Wow. That's clever stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is really clever. Um, it's, it's, so, it's, so it seems as though you've got some... Um, some things, a way to go in terms of the current technology from some of the other platforms. It seems as though from what you can control in terms of what you put into the app, what you put into the website, using tools like Nuance, it sounds as though you've got a lot more control and, and you're kind of, uh, you know, seemingly reasonably happy with that. Um, do you, where do you see... Um, do you, do you see that, that, that these platforms, your likes of Alexa and Google Assistant, will get to that point where they, they will allow things like that? Or do you think that they are kind of going to maintain the stance of, of kind of being a little bit more closed? I personally, I think they will move that way. Um, even in the short amount of time that we've been developing for these platforms in the last couple of years, we've seen that. Um on, on the um, Apple platform in Siri, we've seen things like hypotheses and confidence scoring added um, even in these two years. So those are options that are now being opened to some degree um, across the Siri kit platform. Um, and we're seeing similar features coming for, coming through for on the Amazon platform as well um, in the way that they allow you to um, build 
build the skills and the intents. So I would say it's definitely going that way. Um, I think one of the interesting things in the in-car space at the moment is that it's starting to become very fragmented, especially for a user to know when they climb into a vehicle, what do they say or who are they talking to? And can they say the same things to all of those um, assistants, depending on whether they're all available or one of them's available? Um, and it, it does feel like at some point that's going to have to change because users are going to get quite confused about how they interact with them. There's already a difference in the way that you um, address them. So um, when talking to Alexa, for example, you say, um, Alexa, ask the name of the skill, and then you launch into it. If you're talking to the Google Assistant, you say, Google, um, talk to the name of the action. Then there's a pause and you launch into the action and then you start talking. So even something very basic like that, which is the way that someone begins interacting with those assistants already has quite a, a large level of fragmentation. And I think it would be really good to see that slowly come together, even just from the point of view of the user feeling more confident about using voice. Um, I think that voice voices are a massively growing technology. Um, but even around the world in different places, you see different countries adopting it. And in some countries, you'll see people walking along talking to their phone out loud because they're completely happy talking out loud to a device. In other countries, that's not something that they do. Um, because for whatever reason, they feel strange talking out loud to their device at the moment. And that's a behavioral shift, I think, that's going to have to change in order for everyone to feel comfortable just talking out loud to these voice assistants. Um, but when they do do that, we've, we've shown that things can be a lot easier and, and a lot faster in particular entering data um, and entering addresses is, is one of those examples. So. Mm. See, it sounds as though the, the, the technology problem or the technology challenges uh it seems as though there's almost a, a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of, yes, I, I completely understand and agree with what you're saying in terms of the fragmentation and it, it's not helpful from a user's perspective, especially now that cars, you mentioned cars, cars are starting to have their own voice assistants now. So with Mercedes, you won't say Alexa, you'll say, hey, Mercedes, you know, so it's kind of like even more fragmented. And if every manufacturer does that, then, you, you know, without knowing that you address the car assistant by the make of the car, then, you know, it's going to be crazy. But so, but, but on a technology side, if Nuance are already providing some of the tools that, that you need or some of the capabilities that you need, that means that it's possible, doesn't it? So so the, you can see kind of a route forward there. What I, what I, what I, I, um, I don't know about, and, and it'd be interesting to, to hear your thoughts on this, is thinking about the future. It seems as though what three words is really good at being an input mechanism. So the challenges around... Um, not being able to recognize addresses properly, mistaking certain words for certain uh, phrases and, and, and being able to constrain the search uh, locations and, and the, the breadth of the search and all that kind of stuff all sounds as though what three words ultimately could be the most effective and efficient and accurate way of getting location-based information into a voice assistant. What I don't know, and, and this would be interesting to hear your thoughts on it, is whether whether it's possible in the future 
I know you mentioned the challenges around GPS, but one of the things that makes a voice assistant an assistant is that it can either be proactive or it can take into account your context and other information, location being one of them. Do you think it will ever get to a point where you can just say XYZ, Alexa, Google or whatever, book me a taxi from where I am right now back to, you know, Lazy Trouser Snake or... Or is the GPS thing always going to be a barrier that's going to prevent voice assistants from from being able to be truly ac- uh, accurately proactive? Um, no, I, I definitely think that um, that situation will arise. I think um, year on year we see GPS technology improve to a point, um, and so that that use case of how of referring to your current location um, will likely become more and more dependent on GPS as it becomes more and more refined. Um, and in situations like that, I think what three words is not always the most useful solution. Um, the way that we often talk about it is that in a situation where you're talking machine to machine, um, there's no need for a three word address. It never meant for um, language to be faster than numbers to a machine because the machine's already using numbers. Um, so whenever you're tracking a device and you can see a blip on a map, you never need to use a three-word address in that situation. You're using GPS to GPS coordinates to coordinates. It's, that's, uh, that's a perfectly valid use case. Um, when we talk about the real benefit of what through words, we say that it's the easiest way to talk about location. And when we say talk, we really mean communicating. So whether that's system to person or person to person um, or person to system, that's where the technology really, really has the advantage. Um, and so to your point of how it will move, whilst I think that, that the GPS technology will refine and refine potentially to improve that reference of where you currently are, we will always need to be able to talk about places we're going to or places we want to meet people at, or places we want a delivery to. Um, and therefore, we'll always need this, this way of referencing those locations that are not where we currently are. Um, so I think there may be a shift in um, certain use cases as that technology evolves. Um, but without a doubt, we'll still be talking about location. And what words is the easiest way to talk about location. So we think that that's, that's still a great use case. What what about did you see the Apple U one chip? I know we're short on time, so we'll wrap it up in, in literally one second. Did you see that? Did yes, you see the Apple U one chip? And and apparently, yep. and uh, this is like my limited knowledge of chips or whatever. But apparently, if you've got two phones close to each other, this U one chip can determine with a pretty high degree of accuracy exactly where that phone is. Do you think that might be the key? Maybe it's not GPS, but do you think that something like that might be the key to, to nailing down a, a proactive, um, accurate understanding from a system of a location of a user? Uh, I, I think definitely in terms of that first use case, because that is, again, that's device to device. So that's two devices knowing where they are. Um, but in order to be able to reference that location in a way that, a human can can speak it or say it or write it down. They will always be limited by longitude and latitude as long as they are working within the constraints of a system that a, a digital system can understand. Um, 
So it, it will be interesting to see how the U1 moves because that kind of beacon technology has been around for a, for a long time. Um, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but there was, there was always talk of an eye beacon about five years ago that never materialized. Um, but, but that idea of being able to use certain um, beacons to recognize GPS locations, um, it'll be interesting to see how it moves along. But I think from the point of view of what, of what we are doing, um, we're always about people and humans communicating. Um, and at the moment, I don't, I don't think that will affect that at the moment. You, yeah, I just want to finish up by asking, you certainly got this question before, but I need to put it to you anyway. Uh, if this takes off, if what three words takes off, I'm a bit worried about a private company with a proprietary technology controlling how addresses are determined around the world. What is there there if I'm, say, a developer building what three words into my app to know that what three words is going to continue being around and that, that I'm going to continue having access to being able to use the service? Yeah, so we, um, we, we always hope that we'll be around. Um, we, we certainly plan to, to continue being around. Um, and at the moment, I think that developers should develop in the knowledge that um, the system is free at the moment and will, will always be for the majority of users. Um, maintaining the system, and I think everything we've talked about today in terms of maintaining the languages, the work that goes into creating um, these languages, and that continues to go on in rolling out a system worldwide, um, ultimately requires people and requires a business behind it in some form. Um, and that's why we, we do have commercial customers who do pay us in order to use the service, and we would need to continue that in order for us to continue to exist. Um, but our apps will 100% always be free. Usage of our website will 100% always be free, and people will always manage to um, find their three-word address for free. Um, the, the bit where we, we look at it from a commercial point of view is when you are um, converting those coordinates en masse um, for a logistical purpose um, or for an e-commerce purpose, those, those are situations where that hits our servers, that hits our technology, um, and we, we, have to, we have to commercialize that in some way. Um, so for a developer building into their app, um, we would say that it's great and we absolutely love our developer community um, and that they, sh they should build that under the assumption that it's, it's going to be free for people to discover three-word addresses. Are there ever any organizations or groups that you would refuse to allow to use what three words? Um, not, not specifically. Um, no, we, we would, we would look at certain cases, um, on a case by case basis, but we haven't come up against a situation like that so far. Um, but one of the luxuries of us still being a fairly small company is that we are able to focus on, um, those individual customers. And I think if that happened, we would make a decision on it, but um, no, that's not something we've encountered. Cool. Well, the ordnance survey charge people to use their address database. If you want to use their API to look up a postcode, then that's going to cost you basically. So I, I can totally see where there's the, it can kind of align there. Um, 
yeah, Josh, this has been so interesting. Absolutely massive fan of What Three Words. And I love the fact that you're thinking about voice and making things more accessible and uh, helping overcome some of the challenges with voice assistants, namely in recognising uh, uh, words and, and trying to work with the companies to push the technology forward to, to advance the tools that are available. So absolutely fantastic. And thank you for, for spending your Friday, late Friday afternoon with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Where can people where can people find out a little bit more about yourself and, and, and uh, try out What Three Words or even for the developers, where can developers go to get access to, to, to some of the kit? Yeah, so um, whatthreewords.com is where our, our web map is. So you can log on there and find your, your three-word address immediately. Um, whatthreewords.com slash developers um, is our developer resources. And we're actually launching um, a brand new developer portal um, within the next few weeks, um, which is going to, going to allow... Um, access to loads of tutorials on how to integrate uh, what three words, especially across voice. So we're going to have a number of voice tutorials on there, um, different language wrappers, whatever platform you're developing for, we, we can help you um, integrate what three words into that. Uh, and of course, our, our mobile app. So Play Store, um, App Store, what three words, and they're both on there. Um, and we actually recently just did a really nice update on iOS um, coming to Android soon, which is um, you can now scan a three-word address as well. So if you come across one in brochures, you can just um, use using OCR, which is optical character recognition, just scan the three-word address um, and get it in really quickly. So we're constantly trying to think of just new ways that people can easily interact with the system. Um, and so, yeah, you can jump onto those stores and check it out. Fantastic. Josh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks. That was Josh Wigmore, Head of Product at What Three Words. So glad we got to do that. I've been wanting to speak to What Three Words for such a long time, and I loved speaking to Josh there because they are really working on a really, really important problem, which is that, I mean, we didn't actually get onto this, but we there is a load of places in developing countries that just don't have addresses at all. Lots of places in your likes of Africa and stuff like that where, like, you know, they don't have... Um, necessarily buildings loads of people live in kind of huts and stuff like that and there, there is no address system whatsoever but with what three words everyone now has an address um, so they're up to some really really interesting stuff and it was interesting to see the the different kind of forces at play when it comes to getting what three words available on voice assistants one on the technology front which is uh, the various big platforms the big two if you like being open enough to switch off their natural language processing which sounds a bit weird in order to recognise a what three words address and not mistake it for a randomly pronounced sentence and try and correct it and change it on the way um uh, so yeah, so some technology problems, but it, it sounds as though there is uh, some real use cases for if you know your what three words address. So for example, if you're ordering an Uber on Alexa in your headphones and you know your what three words address, it sounds like it's a really good input device, uh, input mechanism. Um, it does sound as though the current technology and the current state of your likes of GPS might make it a challenge to do something, as I mentioned, a little bit more proactive, whereby you just say, pick me up from where I am, and it will translate that to a one, what three words, an accurate what three words address that the uh, 
the organisation that you need to get picked up from can recognise where you are immediately. But Josh said actually that when a computer is talking to a computer, then it becomes less less apparent. So maybe maybe that's not uh, that's not quite the case. That might just be a GPS problem in general. But uh, yeah, really really interesting stuff. I'll put the link to uh, the What Three Words website, the dev site, and the app, as well as the skill in the show notes, as well as some some uh, link to uh, Josh if you want to reach out and find out a little bit more and excited to see what what is to come thank you Josh for joining us thank you ladies and gentlemen for listening and until next time see you later